0: Our epistle reading today from Romans chapter 6 is the text for our message today. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today's message is the epistle lesson from Romans chapter 6 that Pastor Tighe read for us just a few moments ago. Well, this morning I would like to start with a quick review of where we have been thus far in our sermon series, Made Right. Not so that I can add 500 words to my sermon, but so that it will aid us in hearing today what it means to produce Right fruit. As members of the body of Christ, we have been given the right spirit. The Holy Spirit entered into our lives, bringing faith and new life through the water and word of holy baptism. The Holy Spirit now empowers us to grow in our faith faith toward our Lord and in love toward one another. The Holy Spirit is ever Present in our lives, even in our prayers. Being made right means that we are now part of the right mission. God desires all people to come to the knowledge of the truth, and as his children, we are blessed to engage in his mission of spreading the gospel, to point people to Jesus, their Savior and their Lord. And how do we know that our redemption is true? Because we have the right promise. The promise made to Abraham that was revealed to be kept. As we discovered that Jesus is of the lineage of both Abraham and David. Jesus is the one foretold by the prophets. Jesus is God's only son. His Messiah. The one who is sacrificed on the cross, with the sin of the world, the one raised to life, never to die again. It is through this promise kept that Jesus, who is the Christ, restores us to a right relationship with the Father. This is our present reality. We don't have to wait for it. Because of Jesus, we now have peace with the Father. It is an objective peace. It doesn't matter how you feel or what is happening in your life. You have peace. And that brings us to today's topic. For today, we are talking about right fruit, the fruit that only comes by faith and with faith. This is the fruit that is seen in our lives of faith. Now the right fruit doesn't come without the right spirit. And the right fruit works in the right mission because we have received the right promise and a right relationship with God. Therefore the right fruit is our response to our calling of faith. And I say this first today because our text opens with the law. In fact, this text is law-heavy. So accordingly, it is important for us to remember that Paul has framed the law here within this right relationship with the Father that we discovered and searched through last week. And if you miss that point, that you have a right relationship with the Father, that Jesus has suffered, died, been buried, and raised to life, all on your account you will suffocate under the weight of the law. So with Christ's sacrifice for us at the forefront of our minds this morning, let's see how we respond to his grace. Now Paul starts out by reminding us that something is going to reign over us in our lives. And he bids us to not allow it to be sin and its passions. Paul describes these passions as instruments, and at its root, the word for instruments here in the Greek is describing weapons of war. Are you going to present your body to sin as a weapon of unrighteousness, or are you going to present your body to God as a weapon of righteousness? Literally, Paul is asking, are you going to be a soldier for Satan or God? Now, before you worry about this, Paul reminds us that because of Christ Jesus, sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. As a sinner, mortal death will come, but as a saint, it will not have its way with you. Because of Christ and his work on the cross for you and his resurrection from the grave, you are no longer bound to sin. Thus, eternal separation from the Father is not in your future. Everlasting life of the Father is your future. He has seen to it in the life, death, and resurrection of his Son on your behalf. So why does Paul warn us regarding allowing sin to reign in our bodies? Well, he is simply answering the fallen human logic and reality that as we bask in God's grace, our sinful nature is drawn to that thought that we can just sin as much as we want and we will be covered by his grace. Well, guess who tells you this flawed logic? The father of all lies, Satan, and your sinful nature eats it up like candy. Do not listen to that liar. Paul denies this as a solution for our desire to sin. For such a solution will mean the rejection of our faith. So Paul jumps in to confront this temptation to sin and writes emphatically By no means. If you listen and follow the lives of Satan, you will be presenting yourself as an obedient slave to sin, which leads to death. So which will it be? Hmm. Paul asks, for he knows that we will all serve something. Something is going to reign in our lives that we will serve. Will we be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or a slave to obedience that leads to righteousness? Now Paul says he is speaking in human terms, terms in which the church can understand given the times. For it was common at this time in history for one to sell themselves into servitude to either provide for themselves or to pay off a debt. So Paul uses this example to explain that we are all going to serve someone. So serve obedience, which leads to righteousness. This is where Paul exhorts the Roman church to continue to cling to the faith given them through the teaching that they have received regarding Jesus Christ. For by faith you have become slaves of righteousness and have life. How will we know who it is whom we serve? Well, Paul points to the the church to the fruits of their servitude. He reminds them to remember the fruit they bore when they served their earthly passions. If you see uncontrolled lust and envy and lying and cheating and stealing and disrespect for authority in your life, well, you are serving the wrong thing. This is not to say that you won't struggle with those things when you come to faith. We all struggle with those things because, after all, we are all sinners. We remind ourselves of this truth in our corporate confession. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The struggle against sin in our life is proof that we are slaves of obedience. For faith continues to hear the call to repent. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repentance is the start of obedience which leads to righteousness. Christ has paid for all sin. Paul says you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. The only condemnation that now remains is condemnation for unbelief. Unbelief is rejection of faith. And lawlessness is its fruit. Paul is speaking, this is what Paul is speaking of when he addresses the fruits that come with unbelief. And he presents it in the form of the question as he writes, But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? What fruit do you think that might be? I mentioned some of those symptoms earlier. But more generally, this fruit is hate, sorrow, conflict, envy, rudeness, selfishness, and disregard for others. Hate brings conflict and division. Lying and cheating and stealing are much easier when we hate. Rudeness supplants gentleness as we curse instead of bless. Sorrow is the order of the day and life never knows peace. This fruit brings to life a restlessness. It is never settled. It is never satisfied. It is never peaceful. It is always in turmoil because peace cannot be where hate lives. When we hate, it carries with it the inability to recognize that All of us are sinners in need of a Savior. When we hate, it is as if we are all in the same boat and are spending our time throwing people overboard, thinking the boat will remain afloat, while we ignore the holes in the boat in which the water is pouring in. The holes that we are unwilling to plug up. So what is the fruit that comes from obedience that leads to righteousness? Well, simply put, it is the fruit of faith. No doubt you've heard this before, for Paul writes to the Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Instead of hate, which seeks to divide and break relationships, love seeks to mend and restore relationships. Instead of sorrow wrought by hate, a life of joy now prevails because we have a Savior who has acted in our stead, taking on the punishment that is due to us for our sin. We have peace with the Father and peace reigns giving us a life of freedom that we now enjoy in Jesus Christ who has freed us from the bondage to sin and removed that eternal penalty of separation from the Father for faith by faith we are now free to live rejoicing in his grace and serving him alone by faith envy will come less often As we realize that God supplies our needs, we needn't worry about keeping up with our neighbor's possessions, for our God has promised to supply our needs in this life. By faith, kindness will start to supplant rudeness. For faith sees that one who is sinning against us is a prisoner of war that needs to be freed rather than an enemy that needs to be destroyed by faith goodness will not only bring caring for one another but repaying evil with good we will bless instead of curse disregard for others turns into seeking out the needy and helping them with their needs by faith gentleness pours forth from our obedience to the Lord's command to love one another and it becomes front and center in our lives. By faith, self-control is seen in a variety of ways, but most common is the ability to guard the words of your mouth and your actions. This is made easier by remembering that the penalty of any sin committed against us has been paid by the Son of God, a prawn, the cross of Calvary, Now you're probably wondering how it is that we actually do all these things. (laughs) Or at least get better at doing all these things. How do we produce these fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? By clinging to Jesus. Or, and I want you to hear this more correctly... Allowing Jesus to hold on to us. For Jesus said, my father is the vine dresser. It is the father who has by faith grafted us into Jesus, the vine. For Jesus also says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. To abide in Jesus is to stop rejecting Jesus. Embrace the faith that the Holy Spirit supplies. Allow Jesus to reign. Embrace your faith. And by doing so, obey his commandments. Love one another. Forgive one another as you have been forgiven. You have received freely, now freely give. For by faith you have not received the wages of sin, which is death, but by the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you have the free gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.